Okay, guys, we've been away from each other for a very long time. And I'm happy to be back with you guys. I have a topic that I have been studying. If you see notes and notes and notes are in front of me. Um, something I've been practicing, something I've been learning about for quite some time, but I really went, went deep, deep diving into this topic called your nervous system. And in that space, I went into widening our window of tolerance. And in that space, I went into the polyvagal theory. And I will be um, talking about all of that with you guys today. It is a fascinating topic. Um, and I might need to break this up into two parts because there's just a lot to talk about. And then, you know, I also talk about other things. I can't stay on script for too long. Um, I'm still going to be using my hand diagrams, but this thing is going to be in front of me. So I'll have to be up here, but <laughs> we'll do the best we can. So again, thank you all for being here. And I am also very happy to see you. All right. So let's start with a little bit of, you know, for those of you who are new on my account, I mean, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of a personal story about me and my healing journey. So yes, I'm a psychologist and yes, I got my doctorate in clinical psychology. And yes, I have been doing my own work for quite some time in therapy and analysis. And I, um, and I have appreciated all of that. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, somewhere along my mid thirties that I um, had something quite traumatic happen, um, emotionally traumatic happen to me, where I came to a realization that I was not actually feeling my feelings. I was thinking about my feelings. So I was really good at organizing and, you know, understanding and labeling and even judging and, um, and doing all of these things associated with um, psychology and, um, you know, therapy and doing the work, which is all very important. Like, that's all part of the work. And I did that work. And I, um, and I am a big, big believer of talk therapy as being part of that work. But it wasn't until my mid-late 30s when this emotional wounding happened to me that I realized that, oh, wait a minute, I have actually not felt anything yet. I have all of this understanding about my childhood and my adolescence and my young adulthood. I have processed verbally many of those things, but my body is still holding on to a lot of that pain. And that was a realization that I had. Thinking about your feelings is not the same thing as feeling your feelings. And most of us are very good at thinking about our feelings. And more and more that we get into the virtual world and the social media world and, you know, the tech world, we're becoming a little bit dissociated from our physical body and our, our nature down here, okay? Our instincts, our intuition, our sensory experience. And so that was where my journey began, back home. And home being 
down here. Um, so fast forward, you know, seven years of this, and um, I'm really looking at the mind-body connection, but it's not even a connection. It is mind and body, which is one. Um, and and I'm coming to it from a much deeper place. I mean, I first went in there like I do everything <laughs> in a very type A. I'm going to get to the bottom of this and I'm going to feel my feelings. And I came to it also with that kind of, you know, goal-oriented, achievement-oriented, and this kind of checklist way of doing things. Um, and, and, you know, it took me some time to realize that my nervous system is just not going to let me. And your body has a mind of its own, okay? So we have multiple minds. Mind that is of our brain, mind that is of our heart, mind that is of our gut, mind that is of our fascia. This, this, all of this is a mind. And there are things that I pick up in my environment that are being picked up by my body before it even gets up to my head and say, wait, something doesn't feel right here. Something doesn't feel good here, okay? So I came to it with this kind of, you know, spear-headed kind of agenda. And I realized that that wasn't going to work. So now I'm going to tell you about what does work and how, uh, how to take, how to approach your healing and how to approach it with love and devotion and um, a sensitivity, a befriending, a relationship. And, you know, and this is not about this kind of body positivity. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about having a relationship with my body. And I did an article for Harper's Bazaar this month about body positivity and how superficial it is if I just talk about how I feel about how I look and how I feel about what my hair looks like or what my face looks like or what my body looks like. It isn't um, complete if I don't know myself and my soul and my heart, all of that that exists inside of my body my nervous system. And so I wanted you to think about your healing in that way. How do I, how do I love myself? How do I show up sensitively to myself? Because guys, the world and the noise that we live in is an assaulting place for our nervous system when it's emails, when it's social media, when it's streaming, when it's people, when it's noise, when it's these busy restaurants and these busy malls and this traffic. And oh my God, like if we think about how we were sort of, we made it through to this far, evolutionarily speaking, we didn't have this kind of, you know, violence to our nervous system all day long, you know? And if you just do one thing at a time, you feel like you're not doing enough. If I just drive and I'm just driving, you know, it looks like a wheel here in front of me. Um, if I just drive and I don't check my phone at the stoplight, it feels like, oh, I missed an opportunity to get some work done. Come on, guys. We're living in that kind of world. And then we're wondering why we're burning out. 
It's not just about all the work that work is giving us. Burnout is about how you're living your life. And I'm not going to go into that right now, but I'm just saying it's those moments where you refill. It's those moments where you just do one thing at a time and you make a commitment to your nervous system that I'm not going to stress you out today. We're just going to take it slowly. And this kind of non-judgmental relationship with your body and your nervous system and in a a way where you're curious about it and you're gentle about it and, and you say, you know, like, sweetheart, you've been through a lot. You've been through so much. Um... And I'm with you. I've got you. You ain't going to do this thing by yourself. And I'm not going to let things hurt you. I'm not going to put things in you that feel harmful to you. This kind of relationship with our body. You know, I was a very, very sensitive child. And um, and I imagine that my body um, at some point in adolescence was just at that point overwhelmed and flooded with um, judgment and um, expectations and pressure and all of these things. And I imagine that I became quite dissociated at that point because, I mean, there's only just so much you can take, right, before your body says, "Uh uh-uh. And so I started to operate from here. And I became very good at operating from here. And only in my mid to late 30s that I operate, started moving. And now that I'm in my mid 40s, um, happily, um, I, am, I am saying, okay, like there's so much more um, love that I have for my body. And so when you go for a walk, you say, I'm doing this because it's healing for you and it's good for you. Not, oh, so I can lose 34 calories or 204 calories or whatever. When you lift heavy weights, you say, I'm building and strengthening your bones. You have a different kind of relationship with everything at that point because you have a different type of relationship with your body. And so this, um, and so I'm going to go with that. Okay, so I just want, I wanted to mention that to you guys, that there's a stance that we must take towards healing. And that is a stance of love and curiosity and kindness and gentleness and compassion. And if you're coming at it from a, uh, come on, honey, we got to go. We got to heal so we can live our best life. Uh Uh-uh. You on a cellular level are going to know that you have expectations of you and you, your body is not going to open up. Your body is not going to feel safe. Your body is not going to bring forth things that you need to heal because it feels the pressure of those expectations of you wanting to get over it and get done with it. So I'm just going to mention that, okay? So you will have to create a safety for your body. And when you do that, that's when the window of tolerance starts to grow. And um, yeah, that's when the window of tolerance is going to start to grow. So what is this window of tolerance? What is the polyvagal theory? I'm going to talk about all of that. But as the window grows, think about this window in your heart opening then you can see more, then you can do more, then you can tolerate more, then you can 
feel more and you are not feeling like you are closed up and scared all the time. And you might not be feeling like that, but your body might be because it is, like I said, an assaulting kind of experience that it's having all day long, every single day. Okay. So we don't want to be in this kind of protective stance all the time. This kind of open hearted, I'm here, life, I'm, I'm with life, I am open hearted, I'm not afraid, I can experience and live fully. That's what we are going to talk about today. So I wanted to mention my stance towards healing for those who don't know that, and also for those who um, might have forgotten, but also because it has evolved um, over time. It wasn't always like this, and it has become more and more like this. And um, <sighs> okay. Yeah, so it makes me it makes me quite emotional, actually, because I think the way we the way we are with our bodies and the way we expect so much, but we never really give thanks. And we we never really say, what do you want? What do you need? and you're tired and you need to rest. Or even if we're hydrating, we're doing it because someone somewhere told us that it's a good thing to drink this much water. Like, is it really checking in with ourselves and saying, I'm going to nourish you and I'm going to hydrate you and I'm going to love you. It's coming from a place of someone told me to do this, so I'm gonna do this, you know? so. This kind of relationship that we have to our bodies and to our, um, to our nervous system, that's what's causing all the pain. And so just think about that a little bit. And I'm thinking about it too. <laughs> all right. So I'm here to talk to you about widening the window. And I'm going to first zoom out and I'm going to talk about why. Um, why? Why is that important? Why should I widen the window? Why should I heal my body? Why should I relate to my body? Why, right? Um, and, and I'm gonna tell you that. I'm gonna tell you why. And then I'm going to tell you about polyvagal theory. And so maybe we get to that part two next time, but I really just wanna spend some time with this because as a kid, I drove everyone in my life crazy because I was always like, why? 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 And as an adult, I drive everyone in my life crazy and I'm still asking why. And I think it's really important to know the why. So you can deeply like do this from the inside out, not because Saleh has said so, but because you believe it to be the right thing, because you know it to be the right thing. So I really want to get to the why. So let's talk about the why. Then I'm going to talk about the polyvagal theory and what that has to do with your window of tolerance. And then I want to go over um, ways you can start to heal your nervous system and widen your window of tolerance. Okay. Um, and so for all the people who are concerned about me crying, I'm very okay with crying. 
I am very okay with it. I love it. Actually, it feels really good to be that emotional. Um, and so no need to be concerned. <laughs> um, let's see. So let's see. The first thing is the idea why um, it's so important to consider the body and the nervous system is that the first thing, this idea that the mind and the body are separate is outdated. It's historic, like, you know, archaic at this point. It actually, in the archaic world, we actually did see one system. So it's not archaic. It's actually historical and it is not, um, it is not what we know from science. It is not what we know from experience that the mind and body are two separate things. The number two thing is that if you do not process your traumas and if you do not process your pain, if you do, oh, the past is the past and you know it happened for a good reason, at some point your body's going to say no and your body will have dis-ease. Okay, so if you don't do the physical embodied healing, not just therapy and let me talk about this kind of healing. If your therapy is just about talking and there's no physical, um, you know, component to that, then it's half cooked or half baked, I should say. Um, and so we need to incorporate physical um, embodied somatic experiences and somatic healing into our practices or there will be dis-ease disease okay so let's dive a little bit in to the first one the emotional and the physical body are one so i've talked about this on my um my feed where there is now a field in the medical sciences called the psychoneuroendo immunology and that's basically saying the the interaction between your psychology um, your neurology your endocrinology your immunology basically of the whole thing <laughs> it's like one system you are one system and it's called the PNEI system and the PNEI system is this kind of interdisciplinary approach that incorporates all of the different branches that I talked about. So one thing affects the other thing, which affects the other thing, which affects the other thing. There is no one, oh, I have negative thoughts. If you have negative thoughts, those thoughts are, you know, changing your gut bacteria as activating the way it's hurting your liver. It's actually impacting your adrenals. It is one thing. And if you have an unhealthy gut, then you're going to also have, you know, an unhealthy mind. That's just one system. And now this, you know, we have this craze about biotics and symbiotics and all kinds of biotics. I'm a big fan. But this is, this is something people knew, you know, thousands of years ago. They knew this, that everything is one system. It is only when we um, decided to break up the physical body and say, okay, well, the mind is something else and the body is something else, that's when we lost our way, okay? So that is the PNEI system. The number two, if you don't process your emotional pains, your body will make you stop and listen. It will make you stop by causing some sort of pain. That's when the body talks. It says, 
oh, I need to go to the physiotherapist for this. Or, you know what, I need to go speak to a hair specialist about this. Or, you know what, I need to go to a dermatologist for this. Or, you know what, I need to go to a cardiac um, specialist for this. Or, I need to go to an internal medicine doctor for this. That's when the body is saying, you know, kind of how you've been doing things. It's no longer working. So we're going to have to change things up a little bit. I gave you lots of rope, but now I'm pulling back and I'm not going to work with you anymore. And that's what the body says. The body, like I said, has a mind of its own and it will make you stop through dis-ease. And so, and there's a book, I ain't making this up, like, I mean, and it really is a, an easy book to read and there's lots of books out there, but the one book that I really was just like, yeah. That's it. That's what I needed was Gabor Mate's um, When the Body Says No. And when it comes to things like um, autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, um, MS, diabetes, Alzheimer's, there have been links to um, emotional repression and, and, and those diseases, whether they exacerbate them or whether they are a component in that. When we look at the PNEI system, they can actually start to you know, when you don't have this kind of digestion of these emotional traumas, um, the body starts to sort of attack itself. And that's where nobody knows where these autoimmune diseases are coming from. There's, you know, no one can explain it. And so a lot of our mental um, health, emotional health is now playing out in our bodies. There's even research looking at um, the role of emotional repression in developing certain types of cancers. When you look at lung cancer, grief is associated with the lungs in Chinese traditional medicine. Um, when you look at liver, fatty liver, uh, for people who don't drink and they have fatty liver, what's going on there? That's repressed anger um, that sits in your liver. And so the Chinese um, medicine actually looks at a lot of, I mean, I know people that have had um, kidney failure and fear is held in your kidneys according to Chinese medicine. So there's a lot of, you know, um, a lot of different ways to think about this, but it really makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and the PNEI system, the psychoneuroendoimmunology, um, it's really, really activated by five things. One, uncertainty. Two, conflict. Three, lack of control. Four, lack of information. And five, unsatisfied needs. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like where we're at right now. Uncertainty, conflict, lack of control, lack of information, or too much information um, about, you know, when I say lack of information, it's about like how, like, what what's going on? We we all feel like we're doom scrolling and we're constantly taking in information because we feel like we don't know enough. That kind of experience of lack of information, even though we're flooded with information right now. And then unsatisfied emotional needs. All of us are struggling with this right now. And all of us are having this kind of fragmented relationship with um, people in our lives, but also our phone, distracted, can't focus can't listen to a story, can't listen to an experience, feeling so flooded and self-protective that I don't want to sit with you in your pain. All of this 
has to do with your PNEI system and your nervous system. Okay. So there was um, a guy in the, tw I'm, I'm not going to say the date because I forget, but um, Wilhelm Reich in the twenties, I believe I still said the date. <laughs> I, it was the twenties, I think. Um, and he talked about muscular armoring. You know, I've talked to clients and I know myself that I have muscular arming. If you have tension, it's like rock solid shoulders and um, that's muscular armoring. And muscular arming, it's like this concept of an individual. Um, I'm going to read it as, a, as he said it. The sum total of muscular uh, chronic muscular spasms, which an individual develops as a block against the breakthrough of emotions and organ sensations, particularly anxiety and rage. Okay, so we have all of this emotion. And unlike other mammals who just shake, you know, if I'm horse riding and the horse gets scared, it does this and it like sends, you know, like a, <laughs> a whole earthquake through my body when this horse is shaking. And then it just settles down and it just starts trotting again. And when you see a dog or a cat or something, they are shaking all the time. They stretch and they shake. That shaking is releasing a lot of that emotional charge. Human beings, unless we're like super scared, um, we don't shake. When, when I have a difficult encounter with a colleague or if I have a difficult encounter with a personal family member or in a personal world, I'm not going around shaking, right? Now I shake. I shake, I shake, <laughs> I shake it. I looks really silly, but I'm telling you it works. And that's going to be one of the things I tell you to do. But we don't shake. And so we hold and we hold and we hold and that armor starts to build and thicken and thicken and thicken and our uterine lining thickens and our muscles get tenser so we're not like you know an armor muscles we're armor tense and so when you go for something like cupping and it's all like black and blue on your back because there ain't no chi going up and up your back because all of your muscles are so tense that there is no blood flow where there is no flow, there is no life. And where there is no life, there is no safety. So that's kind of, you might be over it, but this might not be over it. And you really have got to um, do that part of the healing. Okay? So that's that. Um, so when we have the armor, um, why, do we, why do we keep the armor? You know, I've worked with a lot of men and they have all kinds of names for their armor. And that armor, um, you know, it keeps potentially explosive emotions contained. I know that's why I did it. I was just like a, you know, erupting volcano. I would get triggered so quickly. And, um, and so that armor just kept things in. Um, it kept things out. It acted as a protective coping mechanism for me where that fight or flight impulse might have been there. Um, it wards off and protects other people's stuff. Like, I don't want to deal with this. My armor was never 
thick enough to do that. I still picked up on everybody's stuff. Um, but it actually does, you know, now I pick up so much more. Um, it provides this kind of physical barrier for external stress. Um, it also creates a sense of physical safety for the nervous system. When the tension and the armor is thick, it creates a safety um, for the nervous system, not your head, because we don't like feeling tense in our head, but um, that's what's happening in our body. It feels contained. Um, and another thing it does what the armor does while it's keeping out all that stuff we don't want it's also keeping out the joy and that's the thing about armors they get real heavy you can hold on you know you can keep walking for a little while but then it gets heavy and then it feels lonely inside of this armor it feels like i can't feel things anymore i i i look for higher intensity emotions because the 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 usual emotions just don't penetrate the armor um, anymore. So I need to now spend more money. I need to do more things. I need to, you know, I need to uh, live more intensely, jump out of planes, I don't know. But it's this kind of adrenaline that we seek because it's the normal day-to-day, -day, the ordinary life of just hanging out with your kids and hanging out with your friends and hanging out with people at work, it just doesn't feel like it's doing anything because of the armor, okay? Which now brings us to the polyvagal theory. So for all of you guys who are asking me questions, put the questions in the question box. It's got a question on there. The, next, the one question that I see is, please save this. I save all of my lives and they're all in there. And now... It will also be on a podcast so you guys can scroll Instagram while listening to my podcast because I know that's why you guys really asked. But I think some people really wanted to, um, you know, they can't listen to the whole hour. Um, and I do my lives for the whole hour. I take every minute of it. Um, but I um, that way you can like listen to 20 minutes of it and then listen to the rest of it later. OK, so. I do save them and they will be on a podcast. So um, now let's talk about the polyvagal theory. The polyvagal theory. Um, historically, we believed that the nervous system has two branches. One is the parasympathetic system, which is our rest and digest, and another, which is our fight or flight. And now, the polyvagal theory has come out and said, well, actually, there are three ways that your nervous system will respond to an emotional event. Okay. And the three ways, uh, the three ways are ventral, vagal, vagal. It's hard for me to say vagal, guys. I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying. Ventral, vagal, um, dorsal, vagal, and then your um, parasympathetic system. Oh, no. Your dorsal vagal, your ventral vagal, and then your sympathetic system. Sorry, correction. So what does that mean in the window of tolerance? I've talked to you guys a little bit about window of tolerance. Up here, here's your window. Now, if you've gone through difficult life experiences early in life, and guys, all of us have to 
you know, small T trauma or big T trauma. There are some big T traumas, death of a family member, death of a parent, divorce, um, these types of experience, neglect, um, having a parent who was abusive emotionally, physically, um, all types of different abuses. These are the capital T traumas. Then there is something called complex traumas where it just might have been your um, upbringing in this, you know, um, and it's just a way like you were living in that kind of trauma type of household because your needs were not being met. Um, maybe you had parents with um, their own difficulties, may, maybe parents with their own mental health conditions. That will be, you know, some people will have gone through that kind of complex trauma. And then there's like little T traumas where just childhood is traumatic. The world is big. The world is noisy. We don't know what's going on. And we're just little children and we're trying to make sense of the world. And while your mom must be busy cooking and you just needed a hug and she didn't give you that hug, that could have felt like neglect. Experience of that could have felt like I am not loved in this moment. I am not enough. I am not good enough. And so everyone will have some type of emotional trauma that the nervous system experienced as that and not because that was the intention of those around you in adulthood okay um so um the nerve though i was going back to the window of tolerance so the window of tolerance is that depending on the level of the trauma your window will be wide or narrow the narrow window is where you are not able to tolerate um if there's an emotional experience that is difficult or challenging, you will either move into above the window, which is fight or flight. And if you stay in this place for fight or flight for too long, you will drop down under the window, which is the dorsal vagal, which is when you dissociate and numb. So some people, um, and I would even overlap burnout on top of this but maybe we'll talk about that in another session but you've been in fight or flight for so long that your body says you know what this this person's gonna kill themselves and so i'm just gonna shut down all systems shut them down and play dead and so that's the dorsal vagal dissociated numb i'm just floating through life i don't feel anything literally shutting it down window of tolerance this is your sympathetic system. This is your dorsal vagal system. And in the middle, you have your ventral vagal system. This is what we want to widen. The wider the window, <laughs> the more you can see. The smaller the window, the less I am able to see and feel and give and experience, okay? That's the window still do my hands, um, hand gestures. So that was the window of tolerance. Now let's go back to the polyvagal theory. Um, actually, let me go back to the window of tolerance. You know, everybody talks about, oh, fight, flight, freeze. It actually isn't in the same sentence. Fight, flight, fight, flight, fight, flight, fight, flight, freeze. And if you're dropping into freeze, immobilized, then your system had been in fight or flight for a long time. You see what I'm saying? That's the window, that it's, it's too much for you. So it's not all 
It's not all happening at the same time. Your body is very sophisticated and it will do fight or flight for a long time. But once it's done, it's going to now throw you into the dissociated dorsal vagal. And it doesn't feel safe anymore. Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. So something happens at work or something happens in your relationship. Something happens, um, you know, somewhere with your friends and um, you immediately freeze. That's because you are, there is no fight or flight left in you. Okay. And you don't know how to engage on that. You just almost go numb and you feel flooded and you feel, um, you feel like you have to shut it down. And so what is now, let's come back to the polyvagal theory. Now, there's many things I could say about that, but I'm going to say three things um, for time sake. Three things. One, vagus nerve. Two, hierarchy. Three, neuroception. I talked a little bit about the hierarchy already, but let's talk a little bit about the vagus nerve or vagus nerve. I can't say vagus, seriously. <laughs> I can't, I cannot say vagus with a serious face. So I'm going to say vagus and vagus interchangeably. It's the same word. I'm going to say vagus as much as possible, but if I say vagus, that's what I mean, okay? So the vagus nerve um, is, uh, it gets its name um, uh, from Latin. Vagus means wanderer, okay? Wandering nerve. It is one of the largest nerves in our body. It is the largest cranial nerve, and it connects from the base of your brain, so the back of your neck, from here, and it goes all the way. It, a little bit of it comes through the front of your face. It shoots a little bit further up here, and then it goes all through your body. I don't know, actually, if there's not a single organ that is not touched by the vagus nerve, okay? Your liver, your kidneys, your heart, your small intestine, your colon, your spleen, your gallbladder, your sinuses are all wrapped with this vagus nerve, okay? The vagus nerve is the mind-body connection, and there's like two pathways going. So there's like multiple pathways. And if you want to look at energetic medicine, this is your masculine feminine. It's touching the different organs that do different types of things. So this huge, massive nerve is connecting your brain to everything else. That's why when your liver's not happy, you're not going to be happy. And when your kidneys are not happy, you're not going to be happy. So this is one system. Um, now, interestingly enough about the vagus nerve is that there, um, I don't know how to say it without, you know, complicating it. Um, there's afferent and efferent. Efferent goes from the brain to the body. And so let me just let me just rewind here. If you have um, a 10-lane highway, which is the vagus nerve, it's a 10-lane highway. Eight lanes go up, two lanes come down. So two lanes are communicating your brain 
to your body and 10 lanes are going up. So if you really want to have some influence on your mental health, I would really focus on the 8, 80, 80, 20, 80% 80 is here. 80% is all below the neck, the neck here and down. And 20% is up here. Not to say that 20% is not important, but 80% of that magic is happening down here. So you can have good mental health and physical health by focusing on certain things in your body, especially your nervous system and how you have good vagal tone or vagal tone. Good vagal tone means your vagus nerve is supercharged to move in to the rest and digest immediately. Like it's feeling chill, it's feeling relaxed, it's feeling supercharged. That's the vagus nerve. When it has good vagal tone, it will feel, um, you will be less stressed, you will have less dis-ease, you will feel far more relaxed than if you have poor vagal tone. And most of us have poor vagal tone, unless we are deliberately actioning things that give us good vagal tone. I'm probably going to tell you guys about how to have good vagal tone next week because I've gone on a little bit too long here. So that is the vagus nerve. Um, and we want to have good vagal tone. I think I said all of this. Um, I talked about the importance of the 80-20, the right? So that's done. Now, let's talk a little bit about the hierarchy. Um, actually, let's talk a little bit about the three different systems um, and, and the, the hierarchy of these three different systems. So if we are in the ventral vagal, the window right down here. We're having a good window. If we are in this, we will, um, um, we have good health. We have good homeostasis. We feel safe. We feel engaged. We're organized. Our sense of self feels easy. You know, we feel chill. Um, we feel connected. We're kinder. We're more empathetic. We hold space for people a bit more. Um, and that is, if you can see, the diaphragm up. This is your responsible for your ventral vagal and sort of here. Here, all the way down to here is your ventral vagal. I'll talk about how you can activate these different parts. This is our social system, guys. Right here is where we pick up on a lot of different things from the environment that give sense of safety to us from here downwards to the diaphragm. Um, and it's from the base of the brain and heart and um, yeah, the heart and the face, all of that is actually where the ventral vagal system is picking up information. So if our heart feels hurt, then that's when we close off. That All of that has to do with your nervous system feeling not safe. Your ventral vagal is from here to here, okay? Now, um, the dorsal vagal is our, um, you know, healthy, it has, it's in charge and it's from here down here, 
you can see. Um, and it's in charge of good digestive system. And it also has a big survival role. And when the ventral vagal system is no longer able to keep us safe, the dorsal vagal comes online and takes us out of connection or it shuts us down. And this is when the physical symptoms of digestion become quite dysregulated to conserve energy. So IBS, you know, um, stomach issues, um, uh, reflux issues, that's your dorsal vagal saying, uh-uh, something's off. So we will stay in ventral vagal. It will first move you into fight or flight. And eventually, after being in fight or flight for too long, it will move you into dorsal vagal. And so um, when we leave the ventral vagal, we move into the sympathetic system. Like I said, it's intense, it's chaotic, it's mobilizing, it's fight or flight and um, attack, escape, anxiety and anger. These are all, we are now in ventral vagal. Uh, not in mental. We are now in the sympathetic. We have now left the window and we are now above this place of fight or flight. Okay. This is about me against you. This is about separation. This is about um, the world is unsafe. I am unsafe. Uh, I have to protect myself. It's, you know, doggy dog. I don't know that type of world. Like this is a cutthroat world and I've got to protect myself. That is the sympathetic system and when that has happened for too long or it's gone on for too long that's when the dorsal vagal will come in and say all right guys shut it down my energy is drained you disconnect you're untethered you're floating you're lonely you're unreachable you feel lost you feel disconnected um you lose hope you say what's the point of all of this um I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I, it's almost like I don't exist. I'm disconnected to myself. I am not here anymore. I have shut down all systems. And we go up and down this window and out of the window and in the window through something called neuroception. And neuroception is basically uh, how our nervous system listens and responds. You know, my whole life, my whole life, I felt like I just don't like, I can feel things that other people can't feel. I can sense things that other people can't sense. I could pick up on things other people could not pick up on. I was just so sensitive and that means my nervous system was super sensitive now i imagine that that i could be like a jedi right <laughs> in some sense but in a child you know who doesn't know anything and the parents who don't know anything about the nervous system they throw you in when, into the school with all the normal classroom noises and posters and 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 all the normal noise of the day-to-day -day of airports and this things and that things like ooh and that's when the nervous system is in fight or flight so i just lived on the edge of that window and one small thing, and you've thrown me in to fight or flight. So I was actually quite prickly, 
<laughs> spiky, you know, oh, like, why is this person doing this? And how are they doing this? And why do they want this? Like, immediately moving into me against someone, okay? And if you have that reaction, you are in your sympathetic system operating and your window of tolerance is this. And that really was what was going on there for me until I learned to widen the window. And that's the most beautiful thing about the nervous system. It's so, it's so compromising. It really will say, all right, you're going to be with me. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll be okay then. And your body can heal and your body can feel again and all of the other stuff. So that's neuroception. It's basically, it's not in the brain. Okay, it is in the spinal cord and the brain stem, and it is a detection without awareness. I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to come into this room and I'm going to feel the energy of this room. Um, no, I'm just walking into the room and every all that message is being sent to me in the moment. And I know some of you have felt that you've been like, I don't know, I can't really explain it, but something felt off. Yeah neuroception your signals are picking up on your brainstem your spinal cord your vagus nerve your skin all of that is picking up on what is in the room you just can't make sense of it because it's not your brain is not part of that okay and so um, it's like a radar that picks up everything that is um, on the inside um, on the inside of your body okay a breath heart rate, your your visceral experience, um, and then also what is going on outside of the body, like the relational space. And this for me, you know, I can, I, I could hardly manage what was going on inside of me then to pick up things outside of me. And so I just avoided people for a long time. <laughs> I was just like, it's too much for me to be around people. And so I would go in for a little bit and then I would leave because it's just, you know, until I learned how to regulate that system, I couldn't be around too many people. And that, you know, I needed to sort of go and, you know, do my thing and 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 I and it's still hard for me in loud noises and loud people and loud spaces like that can be very overstimulating for me especially now when my nervous system has healed um and is he not healed is healing it's just becoming sensitive like it used to be but now I have the cognitive abilities to manage it and say it's okay honey we're gonna get you out of here now one hour in the mall is going to be just enough for you. That's enough. Let's go. And that, you know, so I'm now able to parent my nervous system gently and take care of my nervous system gently. Um, and so that's neuroception. So I talked about the, the vagus nerve. I talked about the hierarchy in which they activate. And then I talked about neuroception. Um, I talked about the window of tolerance and um, and the three pathways to creating safety. The three pathways to creating safety have to do with the body. You must create safety in the body. It has to do with the environment, environmental. What is in your environment? You know, for me, ooh, that matters. If the environment is harsh, your nervous system, it doesn't matter what you tell it, it's all good, it's all good. It's gonna feel 
that neuroception. It's picking it up. That's why when you go into uh, spas, oh, I'm feeling really loved and connected because the lighting and the music and the scent and um, everything about it is gentle. And so you relax and that window feels pretty big right now. And I will say one thing, that just because your window is big doesn't mean that it can't get small again. We'll come back to that one. So there's embodied work, which is the body, environmental, everything in your environment. And number three is relational. We are wired for connection. We must feel like we are connected. And if we don't, that impacts our nervous system. Loneliness is deadly for human beings because the nervous system feels scared and disconnected and um, uh, afraid and untethered, like I said. It feels lost. It feels lonely. It feels um, unreachable. It feels all of those feelings. And there's no one to say, I've got you. So even if it's one person, it's enough for that nervous system to feel that I'm not alone. I'm, I'm not scared. One person. Okay. So body, environment, and relationships. I don't have time to go into that now, but I'm going to talk about those three different pathways to creating safety and healing next week on Thursday. Um, and we will get right into that. I do now want to spend a little bit of time with um, answering some questions. So how do we widen the window? Actually, let me, let me just finish off with this one because I can say that right now my window is maybe a little bit like this because September is a very hectic month and all kinds of stuff happened over the summer and I had to drop my son off at boarding school and that's all emotional for me and all of that stuff. So my window is probably a bit like this. And then um, there are times, oh my, I have gone here and it feels like I've like touched the seventh heaven of my window and it feels like I can see I can I can feel I have access to intuition that I would never have access to and to creative energy that I didn't have access to this is when the window is wide I am just nicer to be around all of that when the window is wide Okay, so it goes like this. So I am constantly saying, all right, drop, drop, drop in deposits to keep that window from collapsing. I, I have been here also. And that to me was where I was in that burnout state of I ain't moving. I can't do anything. And so that dorsal vagal, I have been there too. And I'm telling you, that felt like hell to me. Um, and, and it was just a disconnected, dissociated way of being. Um, and so you can grow and shrink, but it's like a way of being with yourself and showing up for yourself again and again. And not like, oh, I've got to take care of my window. No, no, no. It's like, what do you need? What do you need? Okay, why don't we just do some breathing? 
oh, I'm too busy today. Okay, why don't you just do five minutes? Literally, I'm talking to myself like this. So it's, it's a bit like that, okay? It must come from a soft and gentle and loving way of being with yourself. You cannot come at it with the harshness. It just won't cooperate. Um, so let's see. What about a delayed emotional response? Well, that delayed, oh, that's an interesting question, actually. So a lot of times you will know that, you know, I used to, I remember there were, I remember things would happen to me in childhood. And like three months later, I was like, how could she? How did she? Why would she? That was because I had dissociated. My body dropped into dorsal vagal because it was the nervous system was already exhausted. And before you go into ventral vagal, you might have a fight or flight response and then drop into ventral vagal. So it also works backwards. And there are often times where you will feel anger before you feel good again. And there are lots of times in therapy where we've we've done the work with clients and they're a little bit dissociated and no, everything is okay and life is okay and I can't really think of anything. And then once they feel, they first feel anger. Oh, I'm angry at my mother and my father and my everyone in my life. And it's just, let's stay with the anger and let's validate that and let's express that and let's shake that one off and let's, you know, work with that physically and emotionally. And eventually once they've sort of released that anger, they will drop into ventral vagal. Our natural state is ventral vagal. Our feel-good state is ventral vagal. So that, you might actually even see that as a hierarchy. That first it's this, and then it's this. And then once you're going from dissociation, you might first experience anger, and then you might feel that, you know, joy again. Let's see. Um... So, yep, I answered that question. Some of these questions are not necessarily related to this topic, so I'm not going to go there. Um, so someone says, how do you protect your nervous system around toxic family members? And um, I'm not going to use that language of toxic family members because maybe they think you're toxic too. So just unhealthy relationships maybe or an unhealthy dynamic. Um, and so um, I would say that it it would really first depend on where your start is, where your base is, um, and then shielding a lot before you actually go into such interactions, limiting those interactions. So instead of saying, I'm going to come over and have lunch with you, you can come over and have tea with them or have, you know, a coffee with them. And so it's, it's a really about learning how to manage those relationships because I don't come from the school of thought um, that you can disconnect with your family. Um, I just, it's not, it's not something, um, I can limit my interaction with family members that I have um, an unhealthy dynamic with, uh, maybe because they're triggering my wounds and I'm triggering their wounds and we just can't seem to meet heart to heart, eye to eye. And so I, um, I would limit my interactions. I would keep it cordial. I would keep it um, considerate. I would keep it polite, but I wouldn't um, 
uh, I wouldn't feel like I have to cut off from them. Um, and so I would just encourage you to sort of think about it that way as well. Um, and, and I have a set of videos for empaths, but it can be used for everyone. And so if you go in my video library, you will see a title called empaths. Those are all the ways you shield yourself before you enter a space that you think is going to be emotionally overwhelming for you. Now, next session, I will talk about, um, how do you start working on healing your nervous system. I wish they called it something else. Your loving system, because nervous system sounds like it's nervous, but it's not. How do you heal your system? Okay. And um, how do you heal your body? How do you um, live open-heartedly more? How do you engage with your environment with a little bit more um, presence and engagement and joy um, and that's going to be where we're going to talk about the embodied, environmental, and relational pathways. The three pathways for healing. Um, so thank you guys for being here. <laughs> and it was um, a full-on first session. I look forward to our next one. Um, and I really appreciate you guys. Thank you.